Inflation is our friend. <laughs> For example, consider this. In the year 2000, if current trends continue, the average blue-collar annual wage in this country will be $568,000. Think what this inflated world of the future will mean. Most Americans will be millionaires. Everyone will feel like a big shot. Wouldn't you like to own a $4,000 suit and smoke a $75 cigar, drive a $600,000 car? I know I would. But what about people on fixed incomes? They have always been the true victims of inflation. That's why I will present to Congress the Inflation Maintenance Program, whereby the U.S. Treasury will make up any inflation cost losses through direct tax rebates to the public in cash. Now, you may say, won't that cost a lot of money? Won't that increase the deficit? Sure it will. But so what? We'll just print more money. We have the papers, we have the mints. I can just call up the Bureau of Engraving and say, Hi, this is Jimma. Roll off some of them 20s. Print up a couple of thousand sheets of those century notes. Sure, the glut of dollars will cause even more inflation, but who cares? Everybody will be a millionaire. How you doing, people? Happy Monday. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message on April 4th, 2022. We're live streaming on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube. Subscribe, all that good stuff. And yes, that was a clip from 1978, about 43 years ago, Saturday Night Live, when it was funny, a long, long time ago. You young kids watching this program won't remember that Saturday Night Live once was funny and relevant and irreverent, but it was. And of course, that was Dan Aykroyd playing Jimmy Carter. And basically, what was edgy comedy in 1978 is the truth of 2022. You see what they did there? Everything that he said there is exactly what the policies of the Biden administration are. It's rather extraordinary. And I saw it over the weekend and I was like, that has got has got to be the cold open and in some ways the theme of today's show. Uh, before we get to it, and we've got a big show for you today, a jam-packed show, uh, I wanted to show you some pictures here because on Thursday, I was at the Prager U Gala. I was the host of the Prager U Gala and you may recognize the back of those two heads there sitting in the front row as I was giving my talk right up top. Uh, yes, on the left, that is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and uh, having a forkful of something is Dennis Prager of Prager University. Uh, after Dennis and uh, the governor did their talk, there's me shaking the governor's hand, and then I wanted to show you this side-by-side uh, -side here. I actually gave the governor the first signed copy of Don't Burn This Country, and on the right, that's when I said gay to him. So you see his reaction, and you're not going to believe this, guys. I was not arrested. He actually took a picture with me and David. I said, this is my husband, David. He took a picture with us. He said, oh, congratulations on the kids. Very happy for you guys. Took a picture. We'll try to get the picture. It was the official photographer there. And just everything that they say about the guy is a lie. And he gave a great talk and Florida is in good shape. And you know all that stuff. Uh, one other thing before we get to, uh, to the program, uh, we did finally, I was able to confirm uh, the opener for my event the book tour event in Denver. We had been holding this one for a while. Uh, comedian and my buddy, Brian Callen, will be opening for me 
in Denver. So you can go to DaveRubin.com slash events. And we've got all sorts of people at all sorts of shows. Real quick, as you know, Don Jr. opening for me in West Palm. Benny Johnson in Clearwater, Florida. Andrew Claven in Raleigh. Michael Malice in Atlanta. Yanmi Park in Chicago. Glenn Beck in Dallas. Megan McCain in D.C. Megan Kelly in West Nyack, New York. Uh, Prager, that Prager guy over in Brea, California, Larry Elder in Oxnard, Douglas Murray, we just added that one as well in San Jose, Blake Masters, next senator from Arizona in Phoenix, Brian Callen in Denver. We have one or two more that we're going to be adding and all the tickets uh, come with a copy of the book. And we just opened up a lot of the VIPs had sold out. We just opened up, I think, 20 more tickets at each one. If you want to do that one second hug with me. Okay, enough promo. Let's get to the show. So the big thing today, this just broke this morning. Uh, and it's kind of fitting because my uh, DM on Friday, the Q&A DM that we did on Friday, the one story that I covered up top was that there has been a rumor over the last week or so that Elon Musk might start his own social media platform. And then there were some rumors even furthering on that, that he might buy Twitter or buy a stake in Twitter. And, you know, when all of these things happen, it's a little hard to gauge, you know, what's real and, you know, are people just teasing out things and, you know, is he really going to do something or is this just to keep his name in the news, all of that stuff. But Elon Musk is not just a talker. He's actually a doer. And as of this morning, uh, Elon Musk, the owner and, and CEO and founder of Tesla and SpaceX and the Boring Company, a whole bunch of other stuff. Well, he uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, is the largest owner in Twitter at 9.2%. We've got some info here from Bloomberg. Elon Musk has taken a 9.2 stake in Twitter Incorporated to become the platform's biggest shareholder a week after he hinted he might shake up the social media industry. Twitter shares surged about 26% in pre-market trading after Musk's purchase was revealed Monday in a regulatory filing. The stake is worth about 2.8%. 89 billion based on Friday's market close. Musk, 50 years old, polled his more than 80 million followers on Twitter last month, asking them whether the company adheres to the principles of free speech. After more than 70% said no, he asked whether a new platform was needed and said he was giving serious thought to starting his own. The announcement will be yet another major test for new Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal, who replaced Jack Dorsey after he unexpectedly resigned in November. Agrawal vowed to increase accountability, make decisions faster, and to improve product execution. The company set ambitious goals for growth, including increasing annual revenue to $7.5 billion and getting to 315 million daily users by the end of 2023. Musk posted a cryptic meme in December after Twitter announced that Agrawal was taking over from Dorsey as Twitter's CEO. It depicted Agrawal as Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin and Dorsey as Soviet secret police head Nikolai Yezov for being shoved into water. Now, what's super interesting about this is not just that Elon Musk just put his money where his mouth is, 2.89 billion. That's a lot of cash, even when you got his kind of money. Uh, but now he is the, the largest stakeholder in Twitter. And then something else very interesting happened over the weekend. And I suspect a lot of mainstream media outlets are going to skip over this one. Jack Dorsey, the former CEO of Twitter, the guy who looks like he's on a perpetual mushroom trip, uh, he tweeted this out, and this is before the announcement that Elon Musk had bought these shares. He wrote, the days of Usenet, IRC, that's Internet Relay Chat, the web, even email with PGP were amazing. Centralizing discovery and identity into corporations really damaged the internet. I realize that I'm 
partially to blame and regret it. Now, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but I don't think these things are disconnected. I think he obviously knew somehow over the weekend that Elon Musk was about to do this, right? People talk, lawyers talk, et cetera, et cetera. And he now realizes if Elon Musk now is the majority, has the majority uh, of the shares, not the majority 51%, but he is the highest personal stake in Twitter, it is very possible that some of the books are going to be opened up at Twitter. Have you guys been shadow banning? Have you been reading people's DMs? Who was it that said, we're not going to allow the New York Post to tweet out the links to the Hunter Biden story, and we're going to uh, censor other people's links when they try to link to it as well? How have you decided to suspend certain people and to ban certain people? In the summer of 2021, when that crazy right-wing maniac, Dave Rubin, said that vaccine mandates were coming, who was it that decided to suspend him? Turned out he was right. Uh, I think Jack could end up being in a lot of trouble, and he was just trying to get ahead of it there. He was trying to get some sympathy, like, oh, there was a cool internet, and I really bungled it, uh, but please have mercy on me because I'm not in charge anymore. So we will see what happens here. Is Elon Musk's goal to really clean up what's going on on Twitter? Is he going to let Donald Trump back on Twitter? Uh, is he going to expose the nonsense that's been going on there? We will see, but this is a good move, right? What do I always tell you guys? We got to find that star in the distance. We got to find the thing and the people that are fighting the right way. Well, here's a guy putting his butt on the line. Not only his butt, he's putting his, his money on the line and saying, we're going we're gonna to see if we can fix this thing. So this is, this is really good. Of course, the funny part about this is that it, it just shows you how far the left and the woke machine has gone with everything. That a guy like Elon Musk, who probably had, I kid you not, he probably had 100 meetings where people said to him, do you want to get in on Twitter or in on social media over the last couple of years? Probably more than 100 meetings. Like try to ima imagine the amount of times that something's been pitched to this guy related to social media that these people have gone so crazy with the censorship, that the nonsense related to uh, gender identity, the fact that Tucker Carlson, the largest, highest rated cable news talk show host in history, is currently banned from Twitter, still right now. Nobody's talking about it, but it's true. They finally pushed a guy like Elon Musk, who will be considered a right-wing maniac because of this, uh, to get involved and get his skin in the game. And I think actually that's a beautiful thing and we need it more than ever. And that really is the theme of today's show because the people that are in charge, Biden, gay Pete, racist Pelosi, crazy Kamala, and Jen Psaki, who's now taken a job at MSNBC, a little conflict of interest there. These people are wrong about everything and have been wrong about everything the entire freaking time. That's what we're doing today. And if any of the things that they've been wrong about make you nauseous, well, I've got the relief for you people. Uh, relief band. You know, one out of three Americans regularly suffer from nausea or anxiety, usually while watching CNN. And if you're one of them, you know how quickly your body can turn from comfort to crisis mode. And this is why you've got to check out Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to relieve and prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. Relief band is a band you wear on your wrist that stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the parts of the brain that control nausea, blocking the signal to your brain, uh, which is sending to your stomach telling you that you're sick. You simply change the intensity depending on how you're feeling to make it stronger or weaker. The technology was originally developed in hospitals to relieve patients, but now through relief bands, it's available to the masses. 
The product's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all-natural, long-lasting relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. Their newest model, Relief Band Sport, is waterproof, has extended battery life, and can attach to your Apple or Android watch. Relief Band makes a great gift any time of year. Right now, they've got an exclusive offer just for the Ruben Report audience. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Ruben, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked for 30-day money-back guarantee. That's the best offer you'll find for Relief Band anywhere, but you have to use my code. Head on over to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use my promo code Ruben for 20% off plus free shipping. And now, back to me. All right, so, you know, we've got some problems in this country. We've got a president who doesn't seem like he's all there. We have people who don't believe in math. We have other people who believe you can endlessly print money. We have people who believe the borders should be open. We have people who believe that boys are girls and girls are boys. We have people who believe that non-racism is racism. Uh, And we also have people who just flat out don't understand anything about anything. That would be the generous version, and the more cynical version would be that they want to destroy the whole damn thing. Here's Nancy Pelosi. But we cannot allow the fossil fuel industry to use this as an excuse to reverse everything we're doing to save the planet. One of the things I think that the president may say, I don't have this as a fact, is that we will use the um, Defense Production Act to speed up uh, diversification uh, so that we're not so dependent uh, on oil. Okay, if you believe that that alcoholic geriatric buffoon is up to the task of saving the planet, then I'd like to sell you a bridge. Um, You can really see what's going on here. We now have this crisis, this war in Ukraine. No excuses for what Russia has done. You cannot invade a sovereign nation and just start killing innocent people. Uh, But because of this, over the last, say, month and a half or so, and it really started a little bit before because we had a slow motion entry into the war. Remember, for weeks, Biden kept saying, well, I think Putin's going to do it. And I gave him a list of things he can't do. And maybe he's going to do this or that. And, you know, in two days, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. You can see what this is really about. And what this really seemingly about is about at this point is crashing the American economy and ushering in this Green New Deal and getting us off gas and oil and fossil fuels and all of those things, which coincidentally is exactly what these people have wanted to do the entire time. So look, even if, even if you hate fossil fuels, and, and if you really hate fossil fuels, there's a lot of things in your life you shouldn't be doing, okay? And petroleum's in pretty much everything in your house and clothes and all of that stuff. But even if you absolutely hate fossil fuels, and even if you absolutely believe Greta Thunberg when it comes to climate change and all of those things, the idea that these people are competent enough to actually transition us off properly from the the fuel, literally the fuel that has been fueling the economy and our culture and our civilization for a hundred plus years, really more than that, uh, to their Green New Deal, to their idea of all renewable energy. And that is what will keep us safe and everything else. That they're competent enough to do that is really, really crazy. But they're now telling you that that really is what this is all about. What does a government do? A government never lets a good crisis go to waste. And they're going, oh, we've got a war over there. So we are going to figure out how to usher in all the nonsense that we want to do here. But we've got gay Pete. And I only, I only call him gay Pete because the only reason he has the job as transportation secretary is because he's gay. That's not just something I'm saying. Uh, that's what Biden said. You know, we've got the first openly gay transportation secretary. We've got the first openly trans 
health secretary, deputy, something, something, uh, having nothing to do with his qualifications, because obviously he's not qualified. He was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. That's pretty much all he's ever done, and that's a perfectly fine job, I suppose. But he knows nothing about transportation, but he's ushering in an era of equity and all sorts of stuff, and uh, he really wants you to get rid of your car. Our country was better positioned to handle it than many others. So less dependent on foreign oil, and that protects us from shortages at, at fuel stations. But here's the thing to remember. Even if all of the oil we use in the USA were made in the USA, the price of it is still subject to powers and dynamics outside of the USA, which means that until we achieve a form of energy independence that is based on clean energy created here at home, American citizens will still be vulnerable to wild price hikes. No, lie, lie, complete lie, Pete. What are you talking about? Even if all of our energy was made here at home, so all of our oil and energy was made here at home, we'd still be subject to wild price hikes. No, we wouldn't because we have plenty of energy here. We just have not unleashed it properly. Um, and it wouldn't be if we were energy independent, right? Something that there was that orange guy, I always forget his name, that he wanted to do. Uh, then we wouldn't be so dependent so that if Russia invades Ukraine, we wouldn't see these crazy spikes. So that's a complete lie. But then even furthers the lie. And this is what they do with everything. They lie about everything and then they lie about that. His next statement is, in essence, we just have to get to clean energy. And if we can just have clean energy, then we won't be reliant on these spikes. But what are you talking about? If, if we have full oil energy, energy independence, regardless of whether it's fossil fuels or whether it's clean energy, what's the difference? If, if we can do it all ourselves, then why would clean energy not have anything to do uh, with the spikes, right? They just lie about everything. But again, this is the plan. So you've got Pelosi saying, you better let us do what we want to do because we got to save the planet. Then you have Pete just flat out lying, just lying about energy independence. And really then at the end, telling you what he wants to do. It's not about energy independence. It's about moving us all to electric, okay? And by the way, uh, the Joe Biden fella, the man pretending to be uh, president, he's uh, very excited because he might be able to save you uh, $80 a month. Under my plan, which is before the Congress now, we can take advantage of the next generation of electric vehicles that a typical driver will save about $80 a month from not having to pay gas at the pump. Congrats, everybody. You're going to save $80 a month. Of course, uh, you're going to have to buy an electric car. And even with whatever subsidies the government might give you, might is the key part there, uh, electric cars still cost way more. Uh, Joe, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people are hurting economically right now. Okay. So, uh, you know, they're not looking to get electric cars. You know, if you can get, say, a, a regular sedan, you know, you can get a very sort of basic, simple sedan for, I don't know, 14,000 bucks. You can, they exist, right? Um, you know, you have to spend at least, at least $50,000 on an electric vehicle. So w what are we talking about here, Joe? Are you saying that these people have to take out huge loans forever? I thought you guys don't like loans either because you don't like interest or math doesn't work or something. So what actually are you saying that you can save $80? Of course, this is the same guy who tweeted out on July 4th that the average American was going to save 16 cents on their July 4th picnic. So, uh, yeah, I think you get I think you get the point, uh, but it continues because then there's Jen Psaki. You know, I love Jen Psaki. Uh, she was doing her White House press briefing. And, and one thing, you know, you have to keep in mind as you watch the videos of Jen Psaki, look how miserable she looks. Like you really got to see the misery in her face because I think that over time, if you lie and lie and lie, and then if you lie about that, that eventually it will start making it so that your face will actually be sliding 
off your skull. Jen Psaki. So how are people supposed to believe the Putin price hike is to blame for food prices going up when the timeline doesn't add up? Well, here's what the president is reflecting on. One, the, the price of gas has gone up by approximately a dollar or more uh, since uh, Putin started lining up troops at the border. This is something that outside economists have spoken to as well, not just the administration. And those are just factual details about how much the price of gas has gone up. We know that's a huge impact. Uh, and when you say inflation, people think the costs on their pocketbook and the impact on their budgets. Uh, the second piece on the availability of food, we know that different markets around the world are impacted uh, by uh, by the uh, lack of production in Ukraine and other because of the war, and we know that that could impact global food prices. It hasn't happened yet. This is the first time we've heard the president blame Putin for higher food prices. I think what the president's looking at is what the impact has been in a lot of areas that are leading to uh, price increases on people's pocketbooks and where we could see it increasing over the course of time. Okay, so let's do the second part first, the food stuff. Now, remember before when I said that there was this like slow motion lead to the war, and you all remember that, hopefully, when Biden just for weeks kept saying, you know, okay, he's going to go in, or we think he's going to go in, and he's about to go in. How come nobody in mainstream media, none of our political elite or any of our trustworthy sources were warning us that if we did anything related to Ukraine, that food was going to go up? Because you think maybe uh, we would have had a discussion about that, because I don't think the average person likes when they go to the store and they see the prices of food exploding, which we all know is happening right now. You do not need me to tell you that. Just go to your store, whatever your store is, go. And does stuff seem more expensive? And are there less things on the shelves? Pretty much everywhere the answer is yes. So she's just, this idea that they didn't know that food was gonna rise or what was gonna happen if we did anything in Ukraine. Okay, that's just nonsense. And then, of course, she lies through omission on the first part related to gas because she says that, you know, since the war, price of gas has gone up by about a dollar. And that actually is true. But she forgets to tell you, and we've covered this a bajillion times, the price of gas when Joe Biden became president in January of 2021 was $2.42, the average price of gas. Uh, in February of 2022, so a year later, but before Ukraine, it was up. $3.61. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but that seems like about $1.20 to me before the war. So gas was raising faster before the war than since the war. She doesn't say that, of course, because now, you know, anything that happens here, guys, if prices go up and you can't get food and the supply chain's bad and some other stuff's going on, it's not because of them. It's that there's this guy Putin, this Putin guy. He's doing some stuff. He's doing stuff. Uh, but Saki continued to get pressed uh, because this is just so perfect. When you want to know what the swamp is, like what is the swamp really? When people talk about the swamp and, and the giant circle jerk that is our political machine and our media machine. Well, it was announced over the weekend that Jen Psaki will be leaving her job as White House press secretary. And where is she going to go? No, not to a lobbying firm, but that would have been a good guess. Uh, she's going to MSNBC. Does that seem ethical? Well, she was asked. Is it ethical for you to continue conducting this job while negotiating uh, with the media? Well, um, I have always gone over and above 
the stringent ethical and legal requirements of the Biden administration. And I take that very seriously. And uh, as a standard for every employee of the White House, I have received rigorous ethics counseling, including uh, as it relates to any future uh, employment. Uh, I've complied with all ethics requirements and gone beyond and taken steps to recuse myself from uh, decisions as appropriate. Guys, guys, if ethics are here, this girl freaking... Like, she's like a male in a female competition pole vaulting. She just, just leaves everybody behind because this is Mrs. Ethics. Okay, this is complete nonsense. This woman, all she has done for the last year of her life is lie about absolutely everything. There, there, I don't think there's anyone in America that has lied more. She is the per capita winner for the lying award, okay? And what is she gonna do? What is her reward for that award? Her reward is to get a job at MSNBC. So now MSNBC is most likely going to pay her a seven-figure salary. She will probably make over a million dollars a year. That's a lot of cash to just continue to lie on MSNBC. MSNBC is a propaganda network. She just worked for a propaganda president to now work at a propaganda network as an analyst, by the way. I'm sure that's what she's going to be as an analyst. They will, I don't know that they're giving her her own show right off the top, although that would be propaganda in and of itself. But they will bring her on to analyze the news. And do you think that a woman who uh, just spent the last year lying for administration and administration and has all sorts of connections and friends in that building, the White House and in the Capitol, all those things. Do you think she can honestly assess and comment on what's going on there? And by the way, this is not just about her. This is what they all do. This is what they all do. George Stephanopoulos, the now chief head of, what is it, ABC News? Uh, he was in the Bill Clinton White House. This is, they all go through all of these things. You're head of the DNC. Next thing you know, you're a CNN analyst. You're a failed political campaigner. Campaigner. Next thing you know, you're on MSNBC News. The game that they are constantly uh, forcing us to play, we can see it. We all see the rules now. And that's why so many people are checking out. That's why so many people are watching this or watching the, you know, the Daily Wire or watching Glenn Beck or, or watching whatever else people are watching, whatever the complete other side of us are, the, the lefty lunatic version of me. Somebody's watching that and I don't blame them because they even realize how stupid mainstream media has become. Uh, and, you know, Saki, she's going to bring, you know, her incredible insight and her, um, her word trickery to MSNBC. Here's what she had to say about pregnant people. What? Beginning today, as many as 720,000 pregnant and postpartum people across the United States could be guaranteed Medicaid and Children's Health Insurance program coverage for up for a full 12 months after pregnancy, thanks to the American Rescue Plan. Pregnant people. Pregnant people. These used to be known as women. Women are the only gender that can get pregnant. I don't want to sound like a racist or a Nazi. It's a Monday morning, I'm feeling good about life, but that is the truth. Women can get pregnant. Women have wombs, eggs, the whole shebang, okay? There's no such thing as a pregnant person. Yes, a woman is a pregnant person, I suppose, if we're being very technical, but you see what they do with everything. They lie and obfuscate and confuse language and don't say gay, even though you can say gay. As I made a point on, uh, on Ben Shapiro's podcast this morning, the don't say gay, but a little sidebar, they could have just as easily called it don't say straight because you're just not allowed to talk about sex with a kid from K through three. So it's all nonsense. Black Lives Matter, is that really what this thing's about? The LGBTQI plus blah, 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 Latinx, all of this nonsense. Pregnant people, 
1984, and she's been one of the, my voice just cracked. I think I just hit, I, I finally hit puberty. Um, yeah, you see what's going on here, people? I think you do see what's going on here, but don't worry. Don't worry. Saki's heading out of the administration, but there are good people. There are good people at the administration. There are smart people that she can leave this up to. Um, like Kamala Harris, right? She's, a, she's this woman. I mean, you talk about people that are on the ball, that know what they're doing. You look at her. Like you, if, you, if you were putting in the dictionary, like smart, they're going to show you a picture of Kamala Harris. Here she is back in July of 2021. Uh, because if you think the wokeism thing isn't going to stop, they've been ushering in this for a long, long time. And, and when you figure it out, you realize that they're the racists, they're the ones that hate middle America and everything else. They, they look down on all of us. And here's Kamala. You may remember this one from uh, about eight months ago, uh, talking about people in middle America. Is agreeing to voter ID one of those compromises that you'd support? I don't think that we should underestimate what that could mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't. There's no Kinko's. There's no Office Max near them. People have to understand that when we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course, people have to prove who they are, but not in a way that makes it them it almost impossible for them to prove who they are. It's just so extraordinary. Like, you just have to laugh, the stupidity. First off, when she says, of course, people have to prove who they are, did she just come out as for identification? Because that's racist, according to her own party. Um, also, this idea that people in the middle of the country, they can't get to a Kinko's. What are these effing morons? There's no Kinko's or Office Max near them. They don't have printers. They don't have a $99 Hewlett Packard printer that has a thing and you can lift it and put your ID on it and scan it. These people are complete morons. What's hilarious about this is these are the same people who think that black people are too stupid to be able to get an ID. So they hate middle American people because they can't get to a Kinko's or don't know how to use a printer. And they also think that black people who live in the inner city are too stupid to figure out how to get an ID. They hate all of us, they really do hate all of us. You know what we'll do? This will be a fun little thing to do. If, uh, if you're living in middle America and uh, you've got a printer, could you take a picture of your printer, tweet it at me and I'll retweet some printers or other devices that you might, do you have a photocopy machine, an old school Xerox that people used to sit on to Xerox their butt? Do you have one of those? Send me some pictures, very exciting. And I'd like, to, and maybe I'll tag Kamala because she needs to know that they're out there. But the point is that uh, if Saki leaves, well, you've got Kamala, she's pretty good. I think I made that point. And uh, we've also got this Pelosi lady and she's sticking around. Uh, here's a gem from her a couple days ago. Madam Speaker, do you agree with members of your caucus who are saying that Clarence Thomas should resign? I don't think he should have ever been appointed. So let me take it back. Oh. You don't think that Clarence Thomas ever should have been appointed. Isn't that what we call racist these days, right? Anyone that didn't want Ketanji Brown Jackson uh, to be appointed, to be confirmed for the Supreme Court, weren't they racist? Uh, but uh, just because, you know, you're a lefty, you get to say whatever you want and nobody calls you racist. Well, I call you racist. You're a, wa uh, you're a racist wench. 
You're a racist wench, Nancy Pelosi. That's what you are. You really, really are. Uh, but there's this other guy. So let's say you're looking at this thing and you're going, man, Saki's leaving, but we'll be okay because we, uh, we got the Kamala and we got the, uh, the Pelosi. Uh, well, we've also got Biden, right? At the end of the day, the buck stops with Biden. And uh, he's a pretty bright fella. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Poor kids, just as talented as white kids. <laughs> extraordinary, extraordinary. But now allow me to show you something completely different. Because the Democrats had a chance. They really did have a chance in that last election because there was one sane human being on that, uh, that podium when they were having their debates. And they destroyed her. Not only did they destroy her, uh, you know who I'm talking about already, Tulsi Gabbard, obviously, but Hillary Clinton claimed that she was working for the Russians. Mitt Romney in the last month or so claimed that she's working for the Russians and she's a traitor. This is Tulsi Gabbard, who was Congresswoman from Hawaii, Democrat Congresswoman from Hawaii, who is an active member of our military, which has been in training over the last couple of weeks. Um, they, they completely destroyed her. Uh, I don't know where someone that is roughly sane fits in the modern Democratic Party. Uh, but Tulsi, who's now out of politics, and I'm, I don't know exactly what her future holds. I don't know if she wants to get into politics or not. Uh, she's still talking the truth and she's still holding the sane line, which is very difficult as someone that I think still believes that they're on the left. I, again, I don't want to speak for Tulsi. Uh, here's a video she put up on Instagram over the weekend talking about HB 1557, otherwise known as the don't say gay or straight bill. You may have seen in the news recently, or you may be a parent who's experienced how parental rights are under attack all across the country as the government tries to usurp parents' rights and responsibility to raise their own children. Now, we should all support the parental rights and education bill that recently passed in Florida, which very simply bans government and government schools from indoctrinating woke sexual values in our schools to a captive audience, a captive audience that is by law required to attend. But as I read the legislation, I got to tell you, I was shocked to learn that it only protects kids from kindergarten till third grade. Third grade? What about 12th grade? Or not at all? Now, government has no place in our personal lives. Government has no place in our bedrooms. Parents are the ones responsible for raising their kids and instilling in them a moral foundation, not the government. Who seems more sane? Is it Jen Psaki? Is it Nancy Pelosi? Is it Joe Biden? Is it Kamala Harris? Or is it the lady that the entire party and the entire machine tried to destroy? What's extraordinary about that video actually, well, first off, she's calm and clear and decent, like you can feel it, right? You can always feel it with her. Uh, but what's really extraordinary about that video is that what she's saying is, in essence, DeSantis didn't go far enough, that it shouldn't just be K through three, that up until 12th grade, you should not be teaching this stuff in schools. That's a really interesting position to have. Now we can have some discussion, I think, of what a health class should teach uh, related to the body and puberty and all of the things that kids are going through. And I had health class in seventh grade, uh, but they weren't pushing gender identity stuff on us. They weren't telling you that you should uh, transition from one gender to another and then try to hide that from the parents. 
So Tulsi just, I mean, I, I believe that was an intentional line and that, that's a pretty powerful line that she's saying he did not even go far enough. So what's the theme now that we've come to the, almost the ending of today's show, although I want you to stick around for the, uh, the cold close today. It's a good one. Um, what, what's the theme here? Well, if you start with Elon Musk, you got a guy who most people think of as really just a technologist, an innovator, not particularly political, somewhat libertarian in some ways, but then, you know, enjoys his government subsidies. But he will now be thought of as a right winger, sort of, because he's trying to clean up things related to speech. And we know that it's the conservative side or the right that's having their speech stifled. Okay. Then we jump all the way to Tulsi and you have a Democrat congresswoman, former congresswoman, who is now in some ways related to this HB 1557 sounding more right wing. That's not really the case, but more, let's say, conservative than even Ron DeSantis, who's being called a Nazi and everything else by mainstream media. This all shows you how insane the left has gone. And, and even bigger than that, I think what it shows you is what I'm actually really interested in right now, which is what will this alliance look like? How will we have an alliance of technologists like Elon Musk? How will we have an alliance of, say, tra more traditionally religious people, say, like my evangelical Christian friends and an Orthodox Jew like Ben Shapiro? How do we couple that with someone, a, a, a refugee? I know a little bit about the refugees from the left, a refugee of the left like Tulsi Gabbard. All of us having wildly different personal religious beliefs, philosophies, all of those things, but all going, man, America's pretty good. Individual rights are pretty good. We want to build new things while they burn everything down. That's a great story. That's what I'm interested in. Uh, that's how I ended the show on Friday. That, that, that piece of now, okay, we've seen it. We've seen the thing. The curtain's back. We've seen it. You guys aren't going to stop. I get it. Department of Education is never going to stop. California is never going to stop. What do we have to do to disconnect from these people? And how can we find all of the people that can fit into our wide tent, which is exactly what America is all about? And that's what I'm interested in. I think that's what you're interested in. And uh, that's what I'm going to keep furthering. Guys, uh, it is Meme Monday over at RubenReport.Locals.com. Here's the meme that I put up this morning. Finally, the fourth ape. He is the sum of the first three. He sees nobody, hears nobody, and speaks to nobody because he's staring at Twitter all day long. We got hundreds of people putting in their funny memes of the day. So if you want to join us, RubenReport.Locals.com. A couple comments from the Locals community before the call closed. Drake says, an amount of groceries that usually costs me around 65 bucks now costs 100. Yeah, I get it. I see it. You know, I think we're seeing a little less of a version of it here in Florida because of low taxes and everything else and because the state is just functioning and people aren't being left, you know, uh, jobs aren't being just decimated the way they were in California and everything else. But even here, we're seeing prices go up. And I've mentioned many times, you know, we're trying to do some construction at the house and I want to rebuild the studio and a few other things. And it's literally to get a window, it's like six months. So these are problems that are real problems and they are not problems because of Vladimir Putin. They are problems because of our administration. They are problems because of all the things that Dan Aykroyd was saying at the beginning of the show that you cannot just print money and think it does not have any consequences. Logan says the stringent ethical legal requirements of the Biden administration. Ha ha. Good one. Yeah, that is hilarious. Like, Yes, the Biden administration has stringent ethical standards. Uh, well, um, you're going to have to look into that laptop thing, if so, because uh, there's emails on there that implicate Joe 
related to Hunter getting jobs for things that he didn't have any expertise in and getting a lot of cash that was most likely funneled up to the big guy. <laughs> not going to hear that on CNN tonight. Uh, Jeff finally says, it's not racist if it is for the vax. Yes, we all know that, right? All the people who told us that having a ID card to vote was racist were the exact same people who said that you had to have vaccine passports to go to McDonald's. The disconnect, the mental disconnect, that jump, whatever happened, the synapse that's not there. It's extraordinary, people. Uh, all right, guys, reminder, uh, Don't Burn This Country is coming out in less than two weeks. Not this Tuesday, but the Tuesday after. Uh, DaveRubin.com slash book. You can get your book. It will be delivered to you on the 12th. And uh, we've got the links for all the different websites that you can go to to purchase the book. And I am heading out on tour. DaveRubin.com slash events. And the big one that we announced uh, just this morning is that Brian Callen, comedian Brian Callen, my buddy and, and great comic. This is going to be a fun show. And I think Denver's almost sold out already. Uh, he will be joining me in Denver. And we also just uh, added uh, Douglas Murray will be opening for me in San Jose. You can go to DaveRubin.com slash events for the tickets. My interview with Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, the full thing is up at The Blaze and on Rumble and on YouTube. And it's our new and improved quasi home studio. It's, it's in my house. We shot it downstairs. I think it looks pretty freaking sharp. We're going to build out some more stuff. And Locals is opening a studio here in Miami so we can do more in-person things rather than do it right here in this studio. Uh, but I think you will dig it. And finally, I promised you a, a cold close and I'm a man of my word, unlike everyone involved in this sham of the administration. Have a good day, everybody. And I'm deeply proud of the work she's doing as First Lady with Joining Forces Initiative. She started with Michelle Obama when she was Vice President and now carries on. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.